Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to thank you for joining us here on episode 88. And I also want to wish everyone a happy new year. We are in 2021. Many of us just wanted to say goodbye to 2020. (laughs) For those of you who have already lived through the first week or so of 2021, you're like, oh my gosh, 2021 is giving 2020 a run for its money. But let me tell you, one of the great things that was sidelined, and when I say the thing is great, the fact that it was sidelined wasn't great. There's live music. Live music is what many of us live for. I'm telling you, I live for so much live music. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of concerts in my lifetime, small and large festivals, cruises at sea. You always hear me talk about the rock boat. I just can't get enough of live music. It's just so something about it. It soothes the soul. It brings people together. It's just uh, fun times, and you actually get to hear some really great musicians and how they actually sound live, raw, in person. And uh, it's really great. But it was sidelined uh, thanks to COVID-19. And so uh, COVID-19, of course, uh, the great plague upon our world that happened in 2020, mostly uh, just, you know, kept us all quarantined and social distancing. And I like to use the term physical distancing because we could still be social while being physically apart or physically separated by six feet. And actually, we're going to learn how people are doing that. And we've got a guest on this show uh, coming up, Chris Gonzalez. No relation to me, Chris Gonzalez, but uh, obviously an amazing last name. And uh, he goes by Gonzo. We've known him many years. And I first got to know him before I was living in Orlando when I met him on the rock boat and would see him at this charity music festival that I was on the board of, Rock by the Sea, up in St. George Island, Florida. And uh, then I moved to Orlando. We're going to hear a little bit of the story in the episode. But uh, I started running into Chris at some of these live music shows and noticed that he actually lived only five minutes from the location I had chose to live in in Orlando. So I get to see Chris from time to time. And uh, a few years back, he started this website called OrlandoMusicLive.com. He's got Facebook and Instagram pages, Orlando Music Live, wherever you're at on social media. And he just keeps an updated calendar and promotes all sorts of live music from the small shows to the big, huge concerts, everything in between, anything in the Orlando area. And that's important for those of us that live in Orlando, but also for the more than 70 million people a year that visit Orlando who may not be aware of this. But when you come into Orlando and you're looking for live music, go to orlandomusiclive.com. And we're going to have a full interview with Chris. This is not his job, by the way. This is just a fun thing he's done for the last four years because he's such a music fan. And he also loves promoting a lot of independent artists as well. And so, uh, you know, we have on this show entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. And in this episode, I feel like you're getting a little bit of each. Chris is not an artist, but he's promoting artists. Chris actually works in medical sales and uh, and and has kind of worked in that healthcare industry for a while. Um, but he's doing something entrepreneurial here 
may not be making money at it, uh, but he's kind of providing a service for the community in in a philanthropic sense, if you will. You know, philanthropy comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. And I think what Chris is doing is something very philanthropic. And I say thank you, Chris, because it, it's helped me find a lot of great music. And um, also, this show, this episode, this interview you're about to hear is going to provide me and you with a lot of new information, even a live music uh, person like myself um, was not aware of what's going on. So anyway, thank you, Chris. Uh, at the end of this episode, I thought we would, you know, I was trying, I, I always try to promote some artists who I've had on the show previously, but I was thinking we need to have some more local Orlando music artists. So Chris, I know you're listening to this. Send them my way. Send them my way. We'll have some on. And then what I do is I, I try to promote some of their music even beyond the time they were on this show. So I'm kind of doing a little cheat here in a way because I thought this would be a great song. And I think Chris likes this artist. I was trying to think of an artist Chris might like. And um, I believe I saw Chris at Matt Hire's show. I could be wrong. I confuse a lot of shows. So he may not even care for Matt Hire. Sorry, Matt. But maybe he does. Maybe he likes Matt Hire's. I love Matt Hire's. He's awesome. We had him on the podcast a few years ago. Matt does not live in Orlando. He actually lives up in Nashville. But he's from Orlando. He actually was born here. So I thought, we're still trying to entice Matt back to Orlando. Probably not going to be uh, successful anytime soon. It seems like he's got his life up in Nashville, uh, family, everything. So, uh, But I think he still has some family maybe back here. Uh, but I thought because this is the beginning of 2021, and we really want to be back experiencing live music. And Chris is going to tell us how that's already happening and how we should get out there in a safe, comfortable way. Uh, but Matt hires some years ago, many years ago, 2009, many years ago, uh, had an album called Take Us to the Start. And I thought, well, we are asking for Chris and all the music artists out there and everything about 2021. We're asking it to take us to the start. And I'm going to also ask Matt hires uh, to basically sing us a song. And actually, the song we're going to play by him is Honey. Let me sing you a song. <laughs> so anyway, you can tell here I'm a little corny. I'm a little cute. Uh, but I do like to try to theme things together well. And so um, at the end of this episode, we're going to hear Matt Hire's longtime old classic song now, way back in 2009, the good old days. Honey, let me sing you a song. And that'll be at the end. And I love that song. And actually, when you hear Matt play this live, he always has a great story to tell about how he was once hired by a couple uh, well, I guess by the the gentleman who was trying to propose to his now wife uh, about uh, how Matt was going to meet this young woman in an elevator and play this song for her as she shot up. I think it was in Chicago uh, to like the top of, you know, one of these large buildings in Chicago. And uh, anyway, the first couple that walked onto this elevator was not the right couple. And Matt was very embarrassed singing them this song uh, in the elevator. So anyway, but uh, he he has a great story to tell about that that I always love. So you'll hear that song. Also, uh, of course, follow the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this episode, uh, whatever device you're listening on, uh, please subscribe. And please subscribe your friends. And please share it because that's how more people get to learn about the Agents of Innovation po of podcast. But also, more importantly, about some of the great guests like Chris Gonzalez and Matt Hires and many others that you've heard on the Agents of Innovation podcast. 
And we're really going to be moving this more towards a community of uh, aspiring and ascending entrepreneurs so that more people can learn and build from each other. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, to help us support that effort and the effort of the podcast, uh, I would also encourage you to just join our Patreon page. It's just $5 a month to start. Like, you know, basic level, you get first access to the new episodes. Um, and also, uh, as you move up the levels, you get other cool inside access and information from me as well. So, and also you get some shout outs on the, uh, on the episode. So, of course, I want to thank um, Frank and Jerry Gonzalez, George Lang, David Healy, Lance Robinson, Phil Loudbetter, Chris Cox, Tyler Houston, Sean Gross, all these people who have been patrons and are still patrons of the Agents of Innovation podcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Agents of Innovation and find us there. Find Agents of Innovation podcast on the uh, Patreon. And also, we're, of course, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the social media pages. Hopefully, we're not getting kicked off. I mean, this isn't controversial, is it? Um, so anyway, uh, we look forward to uh, really interacting with you more. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening. And also, Happy New Year. Happy 2021. We're going to make this a great year. And we're going to kick it off by learning how the heck live music is coming back. Yes, baby, 2021, we will be back at concerts. And Chris Gonzalez is going to tell us how right now. Well, I want to welcome my friend Chris Gonzalez, otherwise known as Gonzo, uh, to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you uh, for having me. And Chris, uh, we're sitting here. I just want to thank the fine folks at Admiral Cigar Club uh, in Baldwin Park, uh, my neighborhood here in Orlando, and just a few minutes down the road from where you live as well. And uh, gosh, Chris, I don't know. We, we met probably seven, eight years ago. I don't remember which rock boat it was on, and uh, we'll get to that. Yep. Uh, but I was actually living in Tallahassee then, and then I moved to Orlando just about five years ago. And um, I think we either ended up at the same concert or maybe something like that. Um, and I said, where do you live? And you told me. And I said, well, I'm like a f like five minute drive from where he lives. So anyway, uh, that was great. Um, but Chris, uh, I know like me, you are a native Floridian yes, uh, who also grew up in South Florida. Yes, sir. Uh, I grew up in Broward County as well. And I actually grew up in Sunrise okay. and you grew up in Tamarack. Correct. Great. So um, another little thing, thing is you you also attended uh, the University of Central Florida. Yes, sir. Go Knights. And um, I, tr I tried to graduate from the University of Central <laughs> Florida, but I lived up to the UCF. You can't finish. Um, but I think you finished. I did. I did. I took uh, my time and graduated in five years instead of the four. Um, but that was intentional. I wasn't having too much fun. So I decided to uh, pick up a minor my last year and, and stay another year. Um, so, so what did, did you major in? So my degree is in health service administration, and I got a minor in gerontology, which is the study of aging. So oh. I'm supposed to be a nursing home administrator or a hospital administrator, and uh, clearly I'm not doing that at this point. I thought this is how you were keeping your young looks. You that's, were just uh, that's I, I learned many skills during that course. Work. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I also had too much fun at UCF. Uh, so much fun that I decided it was time to move home and pay the bills <laughs> and uh, find another university. And that was 
FAU, find okay. another university. Yep. So uh, anyway, but uh, Chris, I also, you know, I see here, um, you and I are both live music fans and something maybe you don't know about me at my time at UCF. And I don't know, maybe you were involved and maybe we crossed paths. I think you're about two years ahead of me. But when I was at UCF, I got involved with the UCF concert committee. Okay. And you know, it was just, it was fun. And we brought some, I remember one year we brought the refreshments, Stabbing Westward, yep. Dishwalla, mm -hmm. and uh, that was fun. And um, and then I think it was the next year. So that one was held like, I think it's like the old UCF arena or something. And then the next year we brought Blues Traveler and Johnny Lang, who remains one of my the favorite artists yeah. to this day. And he was like 16 years old then. And I think I was like 19 or yeah, something. Yeah, that was Homecoming. Yeah, homecoming right on the field at Citrus Bowl. I was on the homecoming court that year, so it was oh. uh, it was a long day to say the least. So we were we were in the same vicinity, didn't know each other yep. then. But you, in your time in college, also I understand started DJing. I did. Um, yeah, you know, I was in a fraternity at UCF, and our our resident DJ decided to join the military, um, and one of my fraternity brothers decided to purchase him out. Um, he was also a military guy and had to go to officer candidate school during the summer. So while he was doing that, um, he had asked me to pick up his one gig that he had downtown. And when he got back from OCS, uh, eight weeks later, I was working four nights at three different bars and, you know, asked him if it'd be okay if I bought him out. And, uh, I've been DJing ever since. I don't do it as much anymore. Um, it, but, you know, it's always been something I've enjoyed doing and, and, and still do a couple of the occasional gig here and there. Yeah, like uh, maybe somebody's 40th birthday party, which uh, you did for me a couple of years ago. Yes, so. sir. Yes. But uh, thanks so much. That was a fun time. All my family and friends enjoyed it. Yep. And um, also, uh, so, Chris, um, we're going to talk about what you're doing with Orlando Music Live. Okay. Um, but in the run up to that, I wanted to just ask you a few more questions, get a little bit more about your music background and okay. live music background. Um, I understand that in addition to DJing, and um, you also put together some parties and events while you were at UCF and hired some uh, some notable bands that maybe maybe were just on the rise at the time. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, again, I mentioned I was in a fraternity and we had a, a really big party every semester, every fall and spring called Bullfrog. Um, and, you know, my time there, we had, you know, a wide variety of bands, some more local, some that ended up being bigger than others. Um, my second semester in the fraternity, we had a band called um, Tabitha Secret, which later became Matchbox 20. Um, so Rob Thomas was was there playing in our, in our courtyard. That's awesome. Um, and then Sister Hazel played two semesters in a row after that. Um, so it was uh, it was really cool that the second time Sister Hazel played at our house was it was insane. Thank God there was no social media or anything at that time <laughs> because I mean we probably had twenty five hundred people in the house. Holy we cow. had you know people were up on the roof watching. We had a line that went down, you know, all the way down Greek Park Ride. I mean, it was, it was insane. I think I missed that party. I don't know. Maybe it, it was pre-96. It, uh, it, it was, I want to say it was the fall of 96. Oh, that was. So they played spring of 96 and then fall of 96. So that was my uh, first semester at UCF. Okay. I must have missed it. But uh, I also wasn't in a fraternity. But, uh, you know, we don't get it. You don't get invited to all the cool parties if you're not <laughs> in a fraternity. So, uh but uh, Matchbox 20, I do remember in the fall of 96 getting to Orlando 
and starting to hear on, especially on WJRR and maybe other stations, it seemed like every time I turned the radio on, yeah, it was Matchbox 20. Matchbox, I mean, it was just over and over. And it was awesome. I love the music, but I also kind of feel like sometimes the radio kind of like kills, uh, like the, what was the band that everybody hates now? Um, Nickelback? Nickelback, right? Oh my God. How many times did they play those Nickelback songs that everybody, okay, we got you. All right. So, but anyway, no, but Matchbox 20 is great. And I remember, I feel like it was like fall 96, maybe spring 97. Um, you know, you probably, you saw them much earlier when they were playing house shows basically, but I remember seeing them at like a small performing arts center downtown. And on the, they came back six months later at the end of that tour and played the then Orlando arena. Yeah. And that was just nuts to see how big they got and that they were local, but uh, tell us, so Tapas of the Secret, uh, is that just some new bandmates with Rob Thomas forming Matchbox 20? Or yeah, basically it was, it was just a, a band split. So, you know, Rob Thomas and a couple of our guys from Tapas Secret went their own ways. But if you go online now and look up 3AM, you can find the original Tapas the Secret version of it. Mm. Um, so the guys, the remaining guys from Tapas the Secret that didn't go to Matchbox 20 still made their money. Oh, um, because nice? it was an original Tapas the Secret song. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure they would have been would have much preferred to, to blow up like Matchbox 20 did, but... Yeah, all the uh, music videos. I mean, that was when people still watched MTV for the right. music videos and everything uh, at the tail end. Uh, I became a Sister Hazel fan. You know, I think I probably knew a few of the big songs back in the late 90s, uh, but obviously became a bigger fan when they started The Rock Boat. But uh, tell us a little bit about that time in the late 90s. You know, Sister Hazel, of course, being from Gainesville. Yep. And uh, I guess this was just on some of their runs down to Orlando and they, as they were getting started. So actually, the first time they ever played outside of Gainesville was at my fraternity house. Oh, wow. um, I had gone up the prior summer um, to visit some friends that were going to Florida. And the first night we were in town, we went out to a local bar and Ken and Drew were playing. And I was like, man, these guys are great. Picked up a CD. You know, are you guys interested in playing fraternity parties outside of Gainesville? And they're like, Absolutely. Um, so they connected me with Andy um, from Six Man, and uh, so we got it scheduled, and um, and that kind of started the the beginning of a, a relationship with those guys and, and Six Man and Andy. Um, that continued for a long time. I mean, you mentioned the, the concert committee, the first concert put on at UCF by student government. I was a part of. Um, it was called Medieval Madness, hmm. um, which we did. Like I said, back outside of the old arena. It was outside, um, but it was. Um, Sister Hazel, a band that they were touring with um, called the House of Cards, um, and then Average Joe, and then a bunch of other local bands. Um, so, you know, I would booked them a number of times um, in the you know, mid to late 90s. Um, and then just started going to all their shows and got to know the guys pretty well and got to know Andy, um, got to know Ken's mom. Um, and, you know, they're just the, the most humble, genuine people that you could ever ask for. And, and they're, and I love their music. You know, I'm not a, as big of a fan of their newer, more country stuff. Um, but I will support that band for as, as long as I can, because they're genuinely just good human beings. And, um, you know, even when they were you know, at the height of their popularity, they always made time to, to whether it be to come out and say hello or, or invite me backstage or, I mean, it was, it was kind of silly. Some of the stuff that I got to do, you know, in that first 10 years of their run with those guys, just because I hired them to play a stupid fraternity party. That's awesome. Well, uh, for those that may not know in, uh, 2001, uh, sister Hazel started the rock boat, uh, which basically I believe the first one, they just basically announced that they were going to be playing a a few shows on a cruise ship with a lot of other people. 
and maybe not even half the number of people on there were, were on there for Sister Hazel. Uh, but then th that was so successful that they basically started taking over entire cruise ships. Uh, you and I have both been on multiple rock boats. Uh, I think your which was your first one? Oh three. Oh three. So that was the third rock boat. Correct. What was that like? It was awesome. I mean, you know, I, I love what the rock boat has become. Um, but I'm I don't know if it's nostalgia or because it was my first one, but the first one that I went on was just it was incredible because it wasn't. You know, I feel like the ones now there's a little bit more fandom um, where the bands don't interact as much. The first one I was on, everyone hung out the entire time. It was you go and see a band and then, you know, 30 minutes later, you're hanging out at, at the bar with them. And, um, you know, there, you still see that happen. But some of the bigger bands on the boat now, they don't interact as much as they did that first year. Um, the first year I went, it was just, you know, anyone that's been on the boat, the, the sense of community and, and, and friendship that you get walking on that boat. Um, it, it's really incredible. I went on, you know, knowing maybe two or three people, um, initially and, and walked out with people that I'm very close friends with to this day. Um, and I think everyone that goes on the boat has that same experience that, you know, it's just, everyone's there for the same purpose and the same reason. Right. So it's, it's awesome. You know, the, one of the things I tell people all the time about the boat that, I think it's really telling is that you know, what they're on, what, 20 cruises at this point. There's never been a fight. Right. I, I mean, think yeah. about that. You know, you're talking to people that are drinking all day long at concerts, you know, guys and girls. I, there's never been a fight there, which is insane to me. Like you would think at some point someone had too much drink, talked to the wrong girl, you know, elbowed the wrong person trying to get up to the stage or something. Not once. So you know, me, that's incredible. It's funny you say that. Uh, so my first rock boat was 2010, and I've now been on seven of them. I was lucky to go on the one right at the beginning of 2020 before everything shut down. Yep. Uh, but I remember talking to a security guy on there, and he, he does security for other music cruises, maybe some other six-man cruises. For those of you who don't know, Six Man um, is the company that runs all these different music cruises that first started with the rock boat, but they've got so many different genres now. They've done Kid Rock cruises and Kiss cruises and Bon Jovi cruises and 311 and you name it. Um, and just kind of a lot of bands in that genre will will join. But they said, oh, when we come on the rock boat, we just know we're just going to this is basically like a vacation for us, too, because there's not much security we have to do. Oh. There's never any problems on the rock boat. It, it's it's honestly it's really crazy. I mean, and again, it speaks a lot to the people that. I put it on um, and the people that go and, and the, the example that the community has kind of set for what it's supposed to be like, you know, every once in a while you see someone that is, you know, overly drunk or, you know, overly dramatic. And, and I think they're corrected pretty quickly. Um, and I think it's because of that community that's, that's there. And not that it's not fun. It's the most fun you'll ever have. Um, but it's to me that, that fact that there's never been a fight, yeah. Considering the amount of alcohol that's consumed and the fact that it's basically nonstop live music is incredible. Yeah. And by the way, I, I really don't put, I, I've consumed a lot of alcohol from time to time on the rock boat. I don't think I'm anywhere <laughs> near one of the biggest drinkers on the rock boat. But uh, I do remember my first rock boat, which was actually my first cruise in 2010. And it was the weather. I, I don't know if you were, were you on 2010? I don't know if you can remember which ones. I was not. But the two days we sailed from Tampa to, uh, I think we were Cozumel. We're fine. It was, it was cold. It was a little cold coming out of Tampa. It was early January. But when we got to Cozumel, the weather wasn't very good. It was kind of nasty, a little cold rain kind of stuff. And they said, 
because of the bad weather, it was going to be such um, like they, they canceled anybody that was doing any outdoor excursions. And instead, they were going to play music on the rock boat nice. while we were at port. So they readjusted the schedule. They also knew that the two days back to Tampa were going to be really rocky. I mean, that boat. I knew I could probably never get seasick in my life if I was not going to get seasick on that boat because it was just rocking. I couldn't. I was joking. I was saying, I don't know if it's the music, the booze, or the sea, but I'm just moving, you know? <laughs> so, uh, probably a combination of the few. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, three. But, um, but what was cool, well, anyway, what was interesting is while we were at port, they, we literally watched them. They were taking uh, alcohol off the cruise ship next to us. And bringing it onto our yeah. cruise ship, they actually announced that they were doing that because they were having some kind of beer special since we were in port and everybody was drinking a lot. So anyway, but you're right. I mean, with all the alcohol that's consumed, there's not even any issues with people because the music is really uh, what brings people together and, yeah. and the community, all the fun theme nights. Well, Chris, let's get a little serious for a minute. Uh, okay. uh, life isn't just all music and concerts. Uh you actually have a day job. <laughs> I do. And uh, I understand, like you mentioned, you got your degree uh, in health service administration and you've been in medical sales since you graduated from UCF. And you currently work for Massimo, if I spelled pronounce that right. Massimo, yeah. Massimo as their uh, VA strategic account specialist for the East. Uh, tell us a little bit about more about what you do and how you, how you got into that position. Okay. So um, Massimo is, is a... Um, we do non-invasive patient monitoring. Um, so we're best known for our pulse oximetry technology that monitors the oxygenation level in your blood. Um, but we do a, a wide variety of, of non-invasive patient monitoring. So anything like said from pulse ox to brain function monitoring for anesthesiology, um, cerebral oximetry, and then we can do a wide variety of other parameters. Um, so you know, like I said, I, I've been in, in medical sales in one way, shape or another. Um, in my last two roles, um, I, I was, my VA accounts were my biggest, um, and I have always enjoyed working with the VA. Um, it, to me, it's just one, it's an easy call point, I think, um, much easier than dealing with some of the bigger chains like Orlando Health's of the world or Florida hospitals. It has its own challenges working with the government, obviously. Um, but the people that work for the VA and, and knowing who they're serving, um, to me, is, is just special, right? So um, when this opportunity came up with, with Massimo, I, I hopped all over it and, um, you know, it was a lengthy process to, to get this position, but I'm so thankful that I that I landed where I did. How long have you been at Massimo? Um, so I've been here for 18 months now, something like that, a little oh, bit wow. more than that. Um, you know, the government team that I, I'm a part of is, is great. And um, again, just... Being able to serve the, the VA and, and, and the veterans of our of our nation is a it's an honor and a privilege, and and being able to bring our advanced technology to them um, is a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we're able to do that. Um, again, it, it has its challenges, especially trying to do medical sales during a pandemic is is not exactly uh, easy to do. Um, but thankfully, we have a product that, you know, for me, we have a product that is greatly in need. So we've been able to, um, you know, we had a, a from a sales perspective, we had a, a really great 2020. Uh, That's good. Um, well, a couple of things I wanted to mention, uh, since you mentioned working with veterans, uh, give another shout out to our friends here at Admiral Cigar Club. One of the cool things I've always loved about this place is when you look around the decor, it's all about the veterans in here, yep. uh, particular themed on World War II. Um 
we interviewed here, uh, which this will be a forthcoming interview uh, for those that haven't heard it yet. Um, Miguel Crespo, who is the owner of Admiral Cigar Club, but he's also uh, a veteran himself in the Marines. And um, so when he and his partner, business partner here, put this uh, together, uh, they really wanted to kind of honor the veterans. The other cool thing is that we're sitting here in Baldwin Park, which is on a, the grounds of a former naval air station yeah. that was here from World War II till about the late 90s until this became a, um, you know, a, a neighborhood uh, when they closed the, the base down and somebody had the idea to put a cool neighborhood here only uh, 10 minutes from uh, downtown Orlando and 10 minutes from uh, Park Avenue on Winter Park. Um, we are also right across the lake from where we're sitting um, is a veterans yeah. uh, administration facility. And um, so a uh, lot, lot of great uh, stuff right here where we're situated. Uh, but Chris, uh, tell us um, a little bit, you, you mentioned about your current role. One thing I like to do when I have entrepreneurs on here is uh, ask, what was your first job in life? And, and when I say that, it could be anything, uh, just the first thing you got paid for. Um. I mean, I, I probably sold some baseball cards at some point as yeah. a kid, but my, my first real job was a uh, bag boy at Publix. Um, I think most people that, that started working in Florida, that was probably yeah. a pretty common place to get started. Um, did not enjoy that position very much. <laughs> um, so didn't, I didn't last there terribly long. Um, went up working at a movie theater. Um, after that, that was awesome. That was like the perfect job from the high school because, you know, all of your friends came and showed up and, you know, minus the awful uniform, um, which I got made fun of for quite a bit. But it, it was cool because I always got to see my friends. I got to see all the movies first. Um, so those were my first two jobs in high school. Well, what, 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 uh, you have any takeaways from those two jobs that um, maybe things that you might even think that about today? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I have a 14-year-old son, and I've encouraged him to to look into getting a job at Publix. You know, it's one of those things where I wish I had stayed there and just stayed there forever kind of thing. I have friends that that did that um, who have done very well in life because of the stock options and whatnot that they've received. Um, but you just, you know, working any job, right? You, you have, if you're not in the place that you want to be, you know, you're, you're not going to be your best self, right? And you know, I knew I wasn't a very good bag boy because I, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, and and I, I did it because I knew I needed a job. I needed to, to help fund my, my baseball habits or, or my, my baseball skills or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, you know, eventually, eventually, you know, I went and found my way into the movie theater. But, um, you know, I think work ethic, whether it's school or, or sports or, or just a, a job. I think it's important learning at an early age and, um, you know, just trying to find out where you fit, right. And, and what, what's going to motivate you and what's going to make you happy because the happier you are in what you're doing, the more productive you're going to be. Right. And, you know, especially once you become an adult, you know, you spend a lot of time at work. Um, so no one wants to be miserable. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, there's a couple of things I think in life that were important. You have a, a good mattress, you spent, you spent a, you know, a third of your day or you should spend a third yeah. of your day in bed and, you know, and, and really enjoy what you do um, for a living. Because if you don't, it, that's going to make for a miserable life. Okay, Chris. Well, um, it sounds like you mentioned before 
you had a little uh, baseball career yourself, and I see it like father, like son, because now I see you're out there uh, coaching your son, yeah. and his team has done great. They even went pretty far in the uh, Little League. Uh, uh, 12U year, they went to the um, Babe Ruth World Series, um, wound up finishing the top eight in the entire U.S., top 14 in the world. Um I think we were better than what we finished, to be honest with you. Um, we just, our bats just went away the last game. Um, but we did beat the U.S. champion in pool play. Um, so I know we were every bit as good as, as they were. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's way more talented than I ever was. Um, well, he's got a good coach, it sounds like. So, uh, well, uh, Chris, uh, we talked about your first job uh, and some of your early hobbies here now, but also... Um, what was your first concert? Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely. Lollapalooza 94. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I went big. The <laughs> first concert, you know, sadly, I didn't make it to my first concert until I believe it was the day before my 18th birthday. Um, but I, I, went, I went pretty big. Um, Lollapalooza 94 was headlined by the Beastie Boys and Smashing Pumpkins. Um, the lineup that year was was where, where was it at? Um, I went to the one in Miami. Okay, so it was at Bayfront Park in Miami. Yeah, Bay, Bay, yeah. Bayfront Park. Um, it was probably the hottest day ever recorded on Earth, or at least it seemed <laughs> that way. Middle of the summer or something. Oh, it was brutal. Um, but it, it was. I mean, as I, I was a huge BC Boys fan, so being able to see them live, and sadly, it was the only time I ever got to see them live. It, it was just an incredible experience. Um, and Lollapalooza, you know, back in the day when it used to tour, it was just. It was so cool, like to to see that experience again. I, I was, you know, just about to turn eighteen, never been to a concert before, and then you walk out into that, and it's just it, it's kind of crazy, but yet fun at the same time. And like I said, the lineup that year was awesome. It was Smashing Pumpkins, um, Beastie Boys, Green Day was supposed to play, but they had gotten injured mm. like two days before at Woodstock. Oh wow! I don't know if you remember that, oh, like, the, the big mud fight yeah. blew, broke out, um, but. Uh, George Clinton, the prominent Fuckadelic, um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, L7, Breeders, Tribe Called Quest, Far Side, Souls of Mischief. So, like, the hip-hop lineup was incredible. Um, it was just an awesome, awesome day. And that, you know, was the beginning of really what sparked my love of live music. You know, it's just, it's an experience that you can't get listening to the radio. Yeah, for sure. Well, so, I was two years behind you on Lollapalooza. I went to the 96. I don't know if you made it to that one. I uh, went to the one at the Palm Beach, uh, South Florida Fairgrounds. Okay. And the lineup there was Metallica, Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine, nice. Rancid, the Ramones on one of their 20 reunion tours, <laughs> uh, five finale tours, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, what a great what a great day that was. Also one of the hottest days on earth. I remember yeah. being in July. I remember them like hosing us down. We were up in the front and... Um, uh, just with the water and having my brother and his friend go get me and my friend like some bottles of water so we could kind of stay near the front. And so many, I think there was like 30,000 people. It was nuts. Uh, but uh, yeah, what a, it's, I always, I have a kind of mixed bag of a couple of what I consider my first concerts. Uh, my mom and I actually went to a Billy Joel and Elton John concert at the Dolphin Stadium. Nice. Uh, I think that was when it was called Joe Robbie Stadium. Yeah. Back pro, somewhere somewhere around like 15 or something. Okay. And so it's probably 93, 94, somewhere in that thing. So, but we were all the way up in the nosebleeds, but it was still kind of cool. And yeah. then I remember me and my best friend in high school, Sean Gross, 
we went to see live okay. at the Miami Arena in nice. the fall of '95, Very and cool. that was that was a lot of fun. Shortly after that, we also saw Green Day up in Palm Beach okay. in like a little arena, so that was uh, that was fun. But yeah, some great nothing more like a great live music. Uh, mm. Speaking of which, Chris, that's that's why we got you here. Um, you um, you founded. Orlando Music Live, uh, my understanding, uh, Facebook and Instagram pages. Uh, tell me what Orlando Music Live uh, did, why you started it, um, and kind of like some of the things you guys do for people. Sure. So I started Orlando Music Live about four, about four years ago, something like that. And, you know, I had a friend call me up one night and he was like, hey, you know, who has live music tonight? And it was a Tuesday. It's a night that I typically have my son. So I obviously don't go out. And I'm like, Dude, I have no idea. I don't go out on Tuesdays. He's like, well, it'd be cool if there was a place where you can go and, and find out where live music was. And, you know, and there was bands in town and there's song kick and, and stuff like that. But, you know, those are more ticketed type shows. And there was really nowhere to go and find, you know, your local singer songwriters or your local cover bands playing, you know, little bars and, and whatnot. So um, we just started talking. He's like, you know, you should do that. So I did. Um, you know, I just, I started digging around trying to figure out what I was going to call it and what, you know, web domains were available and what social media pages were available. And um, I didn't want to just call it Live Music Orlando. I wanted to kind of give it some type of name that would be a little bit unique. Um, and so settled on, on, on Orlando Music Live and, and um, first launched it with Facebook and Instagram um, and then launched the website maybe six months after that. Um, and, and what we do is just try to promote. And what's the website? Uh, OrlandoMusicLive.com. Um, and, and all the socials are, are at Orlando, Media, uh, Orlando Music Live. Um, and, and so what we try to do is just promote the local music scene, um, promote local musicians, promote local venues that um, that have live music. And I do it all free of charge. I do it all for the love of, of music. Um, you know, and if I can get one extra person to go see the local singer songwriter playing across the street here at Wildflower, um, you know, or, or one extra person to go out and, and, and download a CD from, you know, an artist that just came out with something, you know, then I've done my job. Um, so it's something that I, 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 I love. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a growing community. I mean, we've, you know, in the last year I've probably grown by about a thousand followers on Instagram. Um, I'm getting probably about a hundred weekly hits to the website. So again, nothing earth shattering. Um, I'm not crashing the internet anytime soon. Um, but you know, I, I do feel like I'm providing a, a service, um, especially for the, the, like I said, the, the music, local musicians that, um, you have a central place where they can put out their stuff and and promote their gigs. That's great, and it's it's been helpful for me as a as a fan to basically go there and and kind of see what's coming up. And one thing I really like what you do, it, like you kind of mentioned, you you seem to put everything like from the independent artist playing in a coffee shop or bar to uh, you know Beyonce at the uh, yeah. Amway Arena or something, and. Um, and so it's it's you just got that whole broad spectrum of whatever people are looking for in music in Orlando, they can find it. And hey, there's a lot of people that come to Orlando from all over the country, every, millions of people in, in normal times uh, every week come here. Right. And so if they want to kind of venture out the Disney Universal 
uh, areas and kind of see some of the what what Orlando locally has to offer, especially live music. Right. Great place for them to go, Orlando Music Live, to find it. Yeah, you know, there's there's so many different venues in, in town that have live music on a regular basis, and you know, I, I honestly, before I started this, I didn't realize that. You know, we I think we all kind of live in our little bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. We don't extend out. You know, I I don't go far beyond Mills 50 and Ivanhoe and Baldwin and downtown. It, it's pretty rare, right? So I, I didn't know all the you know venues on say like Dr. Phillips that have live music on a regular basis, right? Or, or all the places out on I Drive or or even out you know further north in Altamont or Longwood, right? Down to like Kissimmee, St. Cloud, even right. right? Yeah. So you know, and and the other thing too is I try not to just put out what I like. Right. So you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of country music, but that's not going to stop me from promoting country artists or, um, you know, brass bands or metal or whatever. I don't care. You know, as long as I have the information, I'm, I'm going to put it out there because someone obviously likes that type of stuff and I want them to be able to find it. No, that's great. Um, well, Chris, what have been some of the like surprising things uh, that have happened as a result of starting Orlando Music Live? You know, I don't know how much has been surprising. Um, you know, I, I, it's kind of gone as I expected it to. Um, you know, it, it's especially now, you know, one of the benefits of of what's happened with COVID and the pandemic is you know, I, I haven't been able to travel for work. Um, so I've had a lot more time to put into Orlando Music Live um, because I'm not on the road. Um, and so I've really grown the platform in, in the last, say, six months, um, you know, making things more automated to where musicians and venues can email me their their stuff where it automatically populates into the website, which then triggers me to automatically populate it into social media. Um, so that's to me, it's been, you know, a, a little bit of a surprise over the last six months when you know, musicians have struggled the most. That's when I've been able to, I feel, give back the most, which has been um, has been positive for me. Um, and, you know, it seems like the community has, has especially the music um, community, has really embraced what I've done. You know, I, I, I get thank yous on a daily basis from venues and musicians, and um, it makes me feel like, I'm you know, what I'm doing is helpful and beneficial. Um, but, you know, nothing terribly surprising, other than the fact that, again, there's so many venues and so many musicians out there that I had never heard of because I have lived in my little bubble. Right. right? And there's just, there's so much talent in this town. Um, and I'm not just talking vocally, right. But just, you know, writers, you know, that, that write incredible original music, um, that most people have never heard of. And, and that's really what I, I, I hope to accomplish is, you know, introduce, you know, this local band or local musician to, one person that has never heard of them before. And if I can do that, then, then we're doing, we're doing our job. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, Chris, you, uh, you mentioned, uh, COVID and the pandemic and, you know, 2020 has been, uh, really challenging for live music, obviously. Um, Uh, almost everything has been shut down, uh, to do any kind of in-person events, um, especially larger concerts. And, uh, can you tell us, a little bit about what Orlando Music Live, what you did. I mean, you mentioned revamping the website, so I think yep. that's great. You're kind of it sounds like you're getting things ready for things to go. But but um, what what are some of the things you, you know that you done? Um, also, 
how did have you seen artists convert from in-person shows? I know there's been a lot of live streams and things like that. Yeah. Um, and how's has Orlando Music Live played a role in some of that? So especially in the beginning, you know, I reached out to a lot of the the, the musicians that I, I'm closest with and, and really encouraged them to start doing live stream stuff on a, on a regular basis. And um, and certainly did whatever I could do to promote those. So I was constantly sharing, constantly advertising for those live streams, tipping <laughs> on the artists whenever I could, um, and, and just really promoting them to, you know, trying to encourage them to stay positive because it's, it's, you know, it stinks. You know, if you're a gig, um, a gig worker, whether it be a musician or comedian or whatever, right, where you basically lost your livelihood, it's tough and it's hard to, to stay motivated. Um, I think one of the great things that's come out of it has been a lot of new original music. I mean, a lot of stuff came out towards the end of the year. And, and um, I know a lot of ours have stuff that are is slated to come out early this year. Um, so to me, that's, that's a real big positive. Um, and, you know, I, I built a playlist uh, on Spotify for Orlando Music Live, where it's basically all the, the musicians that I'm aware of, at least, I try that have original music, I try to put it on there. So again, just to get people to understand who's out there and to go and listen to them. And, and hopefully maybe someone finds a new artist that they like and they go and buy their CD, right? Um, and, and then, you know, what was it, May-ish, June, when things started to, to open back up, you know, venues slowly but surely have started to, to bring live music back into their venues. Um, and I mean, I can tell you now. I mean, on my on my website and the calendar, I have I have more gigs today listed for tomorrow night than I ever had beforehand. Wow! Right. So music is back out there, um, and, and most. So places, what kind of? Uh, can you give me some sample uh, type of gigs that are out there? Like what type of venues? What sort of level artists are kind of being able to get out uh, and and have live music? Sure. And, and how those venues. Maybe what are they doing to kind of keep people safe? Sure. So, you know, it's been a little bit of variety, right? So Orlando, um, we have Dr. Phillips Center that has, has done their Front Yard series, um, which I went to the, my first show for that over the weekend for J.J. Gray Mofro, um, as well as Eugene Snowden open for them. Um, and that's awesome. I mean, it, it's, I, I've reached out to, um, to Deepak and, and have encouraged them to continue this into the future, you know, hopefully every winter they roll something like this back out. Cause so this is, uh, is this outside of the Dr. Phillips, uh, center for the performing arts? Correct. I feel like I drove by there a few weeks ago. I was like, what are they doing? It was putting some seats up or something. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what they've done is they built a huge stage, um, and they've built individual pods. Mm. So each individual pod seats anywhere from four to five people. Um, and you, you have to buy the pod. Um, so you have to get, grab a couple friends together that you, you trust. And what, what do you mean by a pod? Are you in a bubble? You're not in a, in a bubble per se, um, but it's like a little, um, it's a little, a little small scaffolding, I would say. Okay. And it's, you know, probably three feet by three feet or, I mean, it's pretty small. I wish Lollapalooza it, had come up with this years ago. It, 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 feet, <laughs> it, it fits like five folding chairs in it pretty yeah. tightly. Um, but it, it was awesome. The experience was great. I mean, I, I love JJ Gray Mofro. They're amazing. And, and Eugene Snowden's is definitely one of my favorite locals. I want to see Eugene Snowden back at Little Indies when I, things get better. I that cannot, was su such a treat. I cannot wait to see Eugene at Little Indies again. Um, but it was just, it was so, so well done um, from a production standpoint and 
you know, I, I felt completely safe. They temperature checked when you came in again, and they were really good at policing masking. And if you step out of your pod, I mean, at one point I stepped out of my pod to let someone into the front and immediately someone came up behind me like, you need to get up and put your mask on, um, which made me feel good. Like if you're going to do something like that with a bunch of people, you want to feel safe. Um, so it, it was great to have every pod has its own QR code. You scan it. So if you want to order drinks or food or merch, mm. you can do that at, at your pod and they deliver it to you. No, no that is called innovation. It, it was it was honestly really, really well done. So you have something like that. You have the Plaza Live that's doing something series, um, seri- um, something similar called the, the Front Porch series. Oh. Um, and that's every Thursday starting. I need to get out more. Um, so next Thursday will be the first Thursday of this year that they're doing it. Um, so every Thursday through, I want to say March, they have that. Um, the city of Apopka has an event every Saturday, starting this Saturday, um, at their amphitheater, um, out in Apopka. And, and then you have your, your smaller venues, like you said, the, the wildflower here in, in Baldwin, um, has live music. Um, uh, Chris, you know what I need next from you? I need an, I need an app, uh, with like alerts. <laughs> so how can, how can I get like alerts? Yeah. I, I don't know how the alerts can work. Maybe um, Facebook can figure I, it out. I, I, I need to, you know, we, I've looked into the app, unfortunately building apps are no, I know. It's pretty expensive. This is not a, this is <laughs> something you're a passion project, right. but, but no, I, no, I say that uh, a little bit in jest because what you're, I think maybe people that might be listening here that are in central Florida, maybe like me and going, wow, I, I feel like I'm missing out. Like, I feel like they're, I didn't know that all these things were going on and I don't know how the word is sort of getting out about it. Um, but obviously you're doing your part to do that. Um, but it seems like a lot of innovation and a lot of people, um, really trying a lot of, a lot of different things to, to bring, um, music back. And, and speaking of that, so this, I want to talk a little bit about the artist experience since COVID and the fan experience, but first let's talk about the artist. Obviously, um, the entire shutdown of the economy has been difficult for everybody. Yep. I mean, in some way, um, many people lost their jobs and their livelihoods and, and artists were, were part of that. Now, of course, we talked about some of them were keeping the, um, the live streams going, but that probably only does so much. But what have you seen? Um, I don't know if you, you know, artists that you keep up with individually, maybe ones, you know, um, maybe different levels of artists, how have they adapted or survived, especially, you know, some of these people's careers are not exactly, um, you know, they're barely surviving as it is just right. trying to make ends meet during normal times. How is it, how has it been? And what have you seen from some of the artists? You know, locally, I, I think uh, most of them have survived by just being able to get back to work, frankly. I mean, I, I don't know how much doing the live streams um, has generated. Now there are, you know, other bands that yeah, I would think most people have never heard of, but you know, bands maybe that you and I have heard of, maybe from like rock boat, someone like Andy Frasco, for example, who has been very successful with his live stream, right? And where he's been able to sustain because of that live stream business. Um, you know, so I, it's been tough. I mean, I, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of local artists and, and you know, before they were able to start working again, it, it was... It, it was difficult. I mean, I, I know artists that, you know, moved back in with mom and dad and, yeah. you know, you know, thankfully there was the, this, the first stimulus package that was able to help, you know, some people stay afloat for a little bit, but, um, 
you know, from an innovation perspective, you're somewhat limited by, by your audience, right? So if you have this live stream and you're putting on this great music and no one's watching it and no one's tipping you, it doesn't really matter, right? Um, so it, it's difficult. And that was, again, part of what I try to do is just centralize the music scene in Orlando for one spot, right? So, you know, if you have one social media page that you go to every day, it should be on Orlando Music Live, right? Yeah. So you can figure out what's going on. If you want music, you know, on Instagram, I do a daily story that shows everyone that I am aware of, where they're playing, what times they're playing. You know, I'll give you links to the to the venue, to the musician. So you can click on, you know, if you want to go see who the musician is and listen to their music. Um, same on the website. I, I, I try to put as much information in there as possible, um, whether it be linking to the website, the, the artist page or linking to their Spotify or whatever. Um, so it, it's it's been a challenging, a very challenging time. But again, I, I'm hopeful that what will come out of this is a lot of great music. And, yeah, for sure. And what I've I've heard thus far that has come out from this has been outstanding. So I, I, I'm looking forward to that and, and choosing to be positive and, and looking forward versus, you know, dwelling on. on yeah, well, um, you know, back in June, I was able to travel up to Nashville and I actually got a little conversation together with uh, five previous guests of the Agents of Innovation podcast. One is an entrepreneur named Mark Cleveland, but the other four were artists. Some of them you might know, Andrew Leahy, mm -hmm. Amy Gerhardt, Steve Everett, and Matt Brown. Yep. And uh, anyway, we had a, about a two-hour conversation, and I, I split it into about 13 different short YouTube clips on different segments. But we talked about artist life during the pandemic and some yeah. of the innovative things they were doing, using what they were doing to use their downtime. Amy Gerhardt was using it as a rebranding. Um, she was taking some some branding and marketing and strategy. She upgraded her website while also doing all the live streams. Uh, all the other guys were also doing a lot of live streams. And Matt Brown talked about uh, being able to figure out who his actual core fans were mm -hmm. uh, because of who was really tuning in every week and everything. So that was, that was kind of neat to hear. But the other flip side of this is us fans, right? And um, so I'm going to give you a few questions here about what's going on with the fan experience. Uh, first of all, uh, I just want to kind of, may, you may or may not know the answers to this, or maybe you've just seen some general experiences, but um, a lot of us lost a lot of great concerts that we were expecting to see. Yeah. Uh, for me, I want to hear, I want to hear you, yours in a minute, but for me, there were a couple big things. I love Johnny Lang. I always try to see him every year. He actually canceled a show in January of 2020 because he became really ill with flu-like symptoms. Now I look back and think he might have had COVID. This was in January of last year. So he postponed the show to like October. And then that one got postponed yeah. till whenever it is now. Uh, I was also supposed to go on the six-man blues cruise in the Mediterranean that yeah. was going to go to Barcelona, Cannes, France, and Genoa, Italy. The height of the... Nice. <laughs> the the hot yeah. spot, right? Uh, so... Uh, but anyway, that was supposed to be in August, and I was going to not only see Johnny Lang on that, but Joe Bonamassa, who I'd never seen, nice. and was looking forward to that, and a lot of other great blues artists. So that got canceled, and I was holding hope until about June when they finally canceled it. So anyway, those are some of my, uh, what I was looking forward to that got canceled. Anything for you that was kind of, you had tickets to already? Um, there was a couple of Dave Matthews concerts that I had planned outside of Florida, which I was kind of bummed to, to had those canceled, you know, I, was, I like, yeah. like going out and seeing new venues and whatnot, but uh, there's so many that I can't even think of. I mean, I, I try, my goal is to get to at least two ticketed shows per month. 
Um, so I, I can't tell you how many things that have yeah. been canceled that I, I wasn't able to go to. So speaking of that, what have you seen maybe personal experiences with the ticket companies? Uh, because I remember at the beginning of all this, and it wasn't just for music, but also for sports and other things. I feel like a lot of people spent a, you know, spent a lot of money on whether it was season tickets to their favorite football team or um, or just concerts that they had hundreds of dollars invested in. Right. And then the ticket companies just held that for some time. Oh, an- oh, another big one for me. This might have been bigger than those was I still have never seen Tool Live. And I finally yeah, had they tickets. They play. barely ever tour these days right. anyway. And I've seen, um, you know, Maynard Keenan's two other projects. Uh, but I've never seen Tool. And that was like on the edge. I think it was like March or April or something. And they canceled it. But I had four tickets reserved for me and three friends. And I don't know, it was like $600 that they were just holding on to. And finally, I think Tool made the decision like four to six months later of, hey, we're going to finally just like cancel this thing so you can get your money back through Ticketmaster or whatever. But what have you seen out there? So similar experience, um, the two Dave concerts I had tickets for, it was was just me. I was going to work in my business trips around those concerts. Um, So I was able to get a refund a couple months after the, you know, or it was probably right around the time when the, sp- the shows were supposed to happen. Yeah. I was able to get refunded. So, you know, it, it's been tough. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the, the concert on Saturday, it was, it was so good. It was just so nice to be at a concert. And I've been to, I've seen, a you know, a large amount of local stuff. Um, but being, I got a big, real produced show was just different. And I mean, you know, you know, coming out of a concert, there's that, that euphoria that, yeah. that comes from it. And I mean, it, for days and, and everyone in my group, we were all just like nonstop throughout the entire, like, this is so awesome. This is so great. Um, well, you know, people go to concerts uh, for the, like the, you know, to hear their favorite artists live, right. right. And hear that good quality sound, but you also go for social reasons to interact with others. And you also, in some ways, uh, you know, you've seen this before talked about music is uh, therapeutic and yeah. it's, you know, a lot of people, especially during a pandemic where there's lockdowns, they're going, there's a increase in mental health issues. There's suicide is up on the rise, all these things, but a lot of like live music getting together kind of uh, actually is very preventative uh, in normal times yeah, to a lot of those sorts of things. And, you know, it's, um, uh, I feel like it must be it must have had a similar experience when you were coming out of that, you know, just to have that kind of like almost like this is like water. Yeah, so, you know. it, it was. Again, you know, like you, your description of it's pretty. I mean, it, it was it felt so good. And, you know, I think I posted the next day that, you know, it might that was exactly what my soul needed. And not you know, JJ yeah. Gray is super soulful, but yeah. it, it, my, I, I genuinely needed that. I needed that experience, um, and it was it was outstanding. Um, so it, it's tough, and, and you know I'm thankful for all the musicians, local and, and national, that did live streams throughout um, the pandemic. You know that kept me sane. You know I'm a my, my life basically revolves around you know my my non work life basically revolves around sports and, and music. Yeah, both of those things were taken away. I'm like, what am yeah. I going to do with my life? Um, so thank God we had live streams to, to keep me sane throughout that period of time. Otherwise, I, you know, 
Well, you know, um, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Eric Smith, who goes to a lot of concerts with me. I missed out on some of these experiences here that we were supposed to go to together as well. But uh, he, I was telling him I was going to interview you. Yeah. And he said, you know, uh, while, of course, like you and I, he wishes he could be at a lot of these in-person shows. He said one benefit of the online performances is it's given him and perhaps musicians um, an experience uh, we would have not had otherwise. Uh, perhaps more live music enjoyed from the comfort of our homes. And he said live streams have a certain charm to them. And he was able to see some of these even big artists, but also smaller independent artists uh, right there in his living room on Facebook Live or put it up on the TV or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's going to continue. I, you know, I won't be surprised if, especially your, your larger touring acts, um, will incorporate some type of live stream into their their concerts moving forward um, where you, know, you can, they're going to have a show at the amphitheater, you know, wherever, and they're going to live stream. So you can buy a live stream ticket for 25 bucks or you can go to the, you know, the, the in-person one for 50. I, I really do think that this pandemic is going to change how we do business for everything. Um, and, and music's no different. I, I do expect to see a lot more live streaming, um, even once live events still come back. So we're, we're here uh, talking in January of 2021, and it sounds like you've given us a lot of uh, what's going on right now and some of the steps back. Uh, when... Well, obviously, we're all waiting on people getting vaccinated and, and hopefully COVID going away, uh, at least to, to, in a large degree. Um, but uh, what is your kind of what is, the, is it? Are we already on that path back towards normalcy or what What, what do you see? Yeah, we're, we're on that path. Um, it's it's slow rolling right now, yeah. unfortunately. Um, but we're going to get there. You know, I I fully expect that things will be normal ish by end of q2 um you know i'm hoping much of the the summer concert tours that normally happen will go on um as scheduled this year um that is my my hope assuming that the vaccine rollout continues to to pick up momentum and, and steam um now how that's going to work and you know i've seen a lot of proposals from ticket companies and and venues about you know vaccine passports and, and what like <laughs> You know, I, I'm going to be curious to see how that happens and, and what um, those companies do. Personally, you know, I, I'm, I'm very pro-vaccine and I've actually, I was lucky enough to get my first shot um, earlier this week. So I have no problem whipping out my vaccine card if that means I can get into concerts sooner and get back into baseball stadiums sooner and, and, and travel again. Um, I know that, not everyone feels the same way about that subject, but um, you know, for me, the, the faster we can get back to normal and get back to business as usual, the better it is for everybody. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, um, speaking of getting back to normal, who are some of the exciting musicians in Central Florida, or even even around Florida or anywhere else, yep. that we should, uh, if we're here in Orlando or, or visiting Orlando, uh, should maybe especially check out. Yeah, I know you've got a lot. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, there's so many because I'm, I'm totally going to forget about yeah, yeah. somebody. Um, but if there's someone, well, let me put it this way. Somebody who you think most people aren't aware of um, that like, hey, Francisco, you probably haven't seen this person yet. Uh, you should definitely go check he or she out. 
So the first thing I will tell you is make sure you go to orlandomusiclive.com and go to our featured section. Okay. So every month or so I will change, I put up six featured artists and six featured venues. Um, and I try to rotate that. So I, you know, introduce artists and venues to, to people. Um, and I always try to post either videos or links to Spotify so you can go and listen to their music. Um, I mentioned, you know, about original music coming out, you know, Cat Ridgeway and the Taurus um, just came out with a new album. That's, that's fantastic. Um, in November, um, Layla Brisbo uh, just came out with a new EP in December, which I absolutely love. Um, the new Sean Sutter. Um, you know, you got bands like BMO that are, are fantastic. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of, of who's coming up. Um, you know, if you, if you like brass um, at the front porch series at, um, at the Plaza Live, you got Brown Bag Brass Band that's going to be playing there soon. Um, and BMO is going to be playing there soon. Um, Jordan Foley in the Wheelhouse. You know, anytime I get to see them, I, I absolutely love. And, and then you have, there's a lot of just incredibly talented vocalists in town that, you know, play cover stuff. And, you know, it just, my, my advice is not necessarily to, to promote one particular artist. It's just to try and get out and expose yourself to as many different artists and venues as you possibly can. Because... Until you go out and listen to someone, you're never going to know. And, right. you know, one of the things that I used to do pre-pandemic, um, you know, if I had no plans on a particular night, one of the first things I would do is like, all right, what's going on at Wills? What's going on at The Social? What's going on at The New Standard? Wherever it may be. And I would just pick a venue and go. And, you know, drop the 10, 15 bucks at the door. If I didn't like it, oh, well, you know, I leave. It's 15 bucks and, right. you know, I'm, I'm supporting a musician. Um, but I've found so many just incredible musicians that way that I, I wouldn't have otherwise found. Right. And, um, I know not everyone's a music fan like I am and, and like yourself that are willing to kind of take that risk per yes. se. Um, but to me, that's the best way to, to do it is just to go out and blindly see somebody. And, you know, if you like them, pick up a CD you know, most artists are, are going to be carrying around, you know, CDs with them that you can buy from them or pick up some some merch. Yeah, um, well, it's great about some of those smaller shows with, you know, not only you discover live music, pick up the CD, but you could usually the artists are just there hanging out and right. we'll talk to you and hear a little bit of their story and uh, maybe even get them on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, Chris, um, for those listening, uh, maybe someone uh, out there, uh, you know, we got a lot of entrepreneurs or, or, or wannabe entrepreneurs uh, out there. Uh, that would like to start their own venture, whether it's something to make money or, or something for fun or, or a service they can provide to their neighbors like, like you do in this community, uh, what action steps would you advise them to take? Um, and maybe, um, maybe any lessons learned um, as well? Yeah, obviously, if, if you find something that you're passionate about, and I, I, would, I would certainly encourage you to, to pursue that. You know, again, like you said, whether it's something that's for money or for passion, um, you know, Orlando Music Live ha has has brought me a lot of, of joy. Um, it's it's work at times, but for the most part, I, you know, all the time that I put into it, I've gotten back and then some, um, because I know that I am helping the community and I'm I'm helping, you know, the music community here um, in Orlando. So, you know, the first thing is to find something you're passionate about and, and then just go do it. You know, don't don't worry about, you know, whether you get it right or wrong at first. 
you know, I know when I first started, I was, when you'd asked me to do this, I, I went back to the beginning of like my feed on Instagram and I was looking at what I was doing and it was, it was so very minimal and basic that, you know, no wonder I wasn't growing and I wasn't doing anything. Um, so it took me some time to kind of figure out what my niche was and what I needed to do in order to, to provide a benefit to where people wanted to, to come to my page or, and come to my website. Um, you know, then I've been lucky enough to, you know, just talk to musicians or, or venues. Hey, wh what can I do to help and get their feedback and then incorporate that? And then recently, you know, I've had a number of similar pages reach out to me because of the, the, or the level of activity I have and um, asking me how I could help them. You know, I had someone in St. Pete reach out to me and, um, and someone in Jacksonville recently reached out. Like they wanted to do something similar for their communities. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, if you want to steal my template, if you want, I, I don't care what, you know, let's, let's do it. Let's, cause I want to grow the music community. Um, so it, it's, to me, it's all about just go out and do it. Right. And yeah. make mistakes along the way, learn from them and then, and then move forward. You know, you said a few things there that I've heard some themes from other entrepreneurs. Uh, one, you learn by doing, you just do it. You said you started basic and you just improved over time. You kind of got better. Uh, feedback loops. It, oftentimes you hear this, this, you got feedback from people and then you put that uh, feedback into the product. Yep. And then finally, you talked about collaboration and, uh, you know, to innovate and to continue to grow, you got to collaborate, you, uh, you know, and, and collaboration is sometimes just with your customers or with some of the other venues or artists or things like that, that you're, you're working with. So I think that's great. And that's, that's really uh, great advice for people out there that want to start their own ventures uh, to kind of take and, and, and go with it. Uh, well, you talked about collaboration. One of the collaborations I did during COVID um, was I launched a, with Impress Inc., a local company. I launched a merch store. Oh. Um, I see you got so the t-shirt on right I'm now. rocking the Orlando Music Live t-shirt today. Yeah. We've got hats, um, hoodies. We've got a, a variety of stuff up on the website. Um, and $5 from every purchase is being donated back into the local community. So um, our first donation is going to Will's Pub. Um, oh, so great. Will's Little Indies and, and Dirty Laundry. Um, we've got about $100 going. Again, not life-changing money, but it's, it's going to help, right? It's, whether it's going to go into the pockets of... of a bartender or into the pockets of a musician, it, it's a hundred dollars that they didn't have otherwise just by buying a, a t-shirt. So, and you know, I really forgot to mention that in this whole dynamic too, we talked about artists, we talked about fans, um, but also venues. They, they've been struggling, especially some of the smaller ones. Yeah, it, it's been tough. I mean, thankfully Orlando has done relatively well. Um, I haven't seen too many places go under yet knock on yeah. wood at, at this point. Um, but I know a lot of communities have not fared the same. Um, mm -hmm. I, I know in Austin in particular, which is a huge music town, has lost like 30% of their music venues already. Wow. Um, so, I, you know, whatever I can do, as small or minimal it is, if I can do that to help, you know, these venues that I, I cherish so much, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I've I've got more venue t-shirts than I care to admit at this point in time. Um, but I, I, I do it because I want these places to be there when things yeah. are truly back to normal. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's all about whatever you can do, right? Whether it be stream a song on, on Spotify, um, whether it's, you know, get out and, and, and go to a local bar or a restaurant that has live music and, and throw a couple of dollars to the, the musician. Um, but when you do that, it also helps the, the venue too, right? If you go 
you know, to Hangry Bison in Winter Park tonight and go see the musician there, you're going to have a, a drink or two or maybe grab some dinner. Who's playing there tonight? Aaron Lighton. Okay, maybe I got I got some people that want to do some dinner tonight. Maybe that's where we'll go. Aaron Lighton. Well, uh, Chris, um, this has been fantastic to have you on the Agents of Innovation podcast. I've probably hogged more of your time. I know you got busy work to do. Want to just give you any last words or lyrics for our audience? <laughs> Uh, no lyrics prepared, unfortunately, but, um, as I said, you know, thank you for your time. And, and this has been a lot of fun. Um, you know, check out our website, orlandomusiclive.com, check out our merch store, um, go to our Instagram and Facebook page at Orlando music live, um, and, and get out and see some music. And that that's at the end of the day, that's all I want is get out and see some music. And it's 2021. We are all ready to get out and see some music. And it sounds like a lot of great opportunities. Thank you, Chris Gonzalez. Great last name, by the way. No uh, relation. No relation, but maybe somewhere. <laughs> um, thank you, Chris Gonzalez. Uh, OrlandoMusicLive.com. Check them out. Follow Facebook, Instagram, wherever it's easy for you. And uh, thanks for being on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Thanks for having me. Maybe I'm blind, maybe I'm blind Oh, I couldn't see you shine And shimmer right in front of my eyes Front of my eyes, oh no I never saw light, never saw light All I saw were faded mirrors And dim reflections by But you shine, you shine So much brighter, oh Come out wrong, but don't run away, run away.